This is the JT and Looney Podcast, Episode 3. And the Oscar goes to Kevin Spacey in American The world has changed. We're now living in the Me Too movement. And I cannot believe what has happened in media and society over the last number of years. Many high-profile members of the media have lost not only their jobs, Tom, but their careers because of mistakes that they've made either in the workplace or in their personal life when it comes to how they treat women, how men treat men. And it's just been an avalanche for us that we weren't able to talk about on our sports radio show, but we both felt like we wanted to address this topic on the podcast because we're just looking to the left and right. We're seeing people that we cared about in regards to consuming their content getting wiped out. And what I want to get into on this podcast is where does all the art go? What happened to all the brilliance from these members of the media who did so many great shows and broadcasts and movies and television shows, and now we don't know if we should ever look at it again? What do we do with the art? It's a great question you ask. It's brilliant because this isn't ancient Egypt where a new pharaoh comes along and we say we have to get rid of Anything that resembles Osiris, <laughs> anything that mentions Osiris, any of Osiris's art, any of Osiris's trinkets, any of Osiris's work, gone. Any of Osiris's jokes, any of Osiris's interviews. All right, enough of Osiris. I mean, you're going over my head with Osiris here, but I love it. What I mean it. is that's what they did in ancient Egypt. They would get rid of any. You know, that's why it's tough with artifacts. They will find stuff and get really excited because a lot of times the new pharaoh would get, erase any uh, proof that the uh, previous pharaoh ever existed. And so we can't do that with Charlie Rose. Matt Lauer was there on the morning of 9-11. Can't do that with his stuff. Kevin Spacey made some of the oh. he best. He's one of my favorite actors. Academy Award winner, great oh actor. Oh, my God. I could watch American Beauty over and over and over again. And so what do we do with that art? That's what we're going to try to figure out here. And again, when Harvey Weinstein made all these unbelievable movies that he produced, what we found out behind the scenes from reading the research in the Vanity Fair column and the way that he had so much power over women and intimidated women, and it took all these mostly actresses to come forward and to stop this horrible human being for what he was doing. And he'll have his day in court and he'll continue to do that. But overall... He was a terrible guy on how he used his power right. to intimidate women who would not have sexual relationships with him and just blackball them from the industry. How many more people were doing this? We're talking about the casting couch and how many other big, powerful men over the years. Les Moonves of CBS is facing accusations of outside his marriage. How many years? This has been going back hundreds of years where men abused their power and intimidated women, and now the Me Too movement is here, and we're better for this movement. Of course we are. I always thought, so how wrong was I? I always thought that uber-successful people and uberly successful guys were better at controlling their horny. I guess I was wrong about that. And it's one thing that I guess we're all having to learn from this, whether we're the manager of a restaurant who's taking advantage by slapping somebody on the ass or somebody who's the CEO of a company, as you have to keep your horny at home or in the club where that's what that's for and not in the workplace. And all of us through the hundreds and thousands of years, us as guys, keeping this with guys, 
haven't been doing that, and now we've been outed, we as a gender. And with social media and cameras in everyone's pocket, we're having to change our behavior, and that is a good thing. Well, do it live! We worked at Fox Sports Radio, no connection to Fox News, none, zero, when it came to that. And we saw what happened with Gretchen Carlson, Lee's Wheel, and tying it into Bill O'Reilly. And again, from what, you know, not being a guy who drank the Kool-Aid of Fox News, but had it on often, Bill O'Reilly also, from Long Island, where I'm from, his monologue was brilliant. When, When I came home from the show and I'd turn it on, or I DVR'd it, and I wanted to see what he said for the first 10 minutes of his Talking Points memo. And it was clear, and it cut right to the facts and the topics, plus his opinions that were very strong. And then we found out about the world of Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly and the way women were treated there. Bill O'Reilly got booted. Massive lawsuit. Now he's out there. He's doing appearances. He's got his own website. But that's a guy who did so many thousands of great broadcasts what do we do with all those great talking points memo? Are they gone forever? Will we ever be able to see that type of talent again breaking down political commentary? Right, and we don't throw out art. This, Like I said, this isn't ancient Egypt. So what do we do with it? At what moment does it become politically correct again? Or at what moment, let's use the word manners, with proper manners, are we allowed to go to YouTube and see some great Bill O'Reilly moments on television, the great Charlie Rose interviews on television? We both DVR'd that show and saw so many of them between tennis and the brain. The brain <laughs> series. He was interested in everything. Bono, as presidents. A, yes, and uh, he and Condoleezza Rice one night, Pete Sampras the next. What a great show. So many great interviews. What do we do with that? Don Rickles is here for more than 50 years. He's entertained audiences around the world. Charlie Rose, the show, because we worked late at night on the radio, was important to me because I come home from being so intense on the radio for five hours. The, uh, the shows that we did for 14 years and even before that. And Charlie Rose's show was a way to calm me. At night, people right. say, well, how do you go to bed after doing four, five hours, three hours on the radio? It's not easy. No. You just don't go boom, and you close your people eyes and go to bed. People who work in a factory from 9 to 5 don't go to bed at 5.20. And Charlie Rose, that show, to have it on in the bedroom, to watch it, and if I liked the guest, it would calm me. My heart rate would come down. Right. I'd enjoy the interviews. At times, I'd get frustrated because he talked too much. Right. But I liked the guest, and then on certain nights when the show was over, I would try to fall asleep thinking about Charlie Rose interviewing me. Could I be that successful in my life? No matter what I do, I wrote a book, The Handoff, having a radio show, whatever I'm doing, could I ever dream and help myself go to sleep by sitting at the table with Charlie Rose and having him interview me? And I've never told anybody this with my wife laying next to me and waking up in the morning with my kids. I would go to bed dreaming or trying to slow my brain down for well over a decade because of Charlie Rose. And when we thought about where did the art go, there are so many hours, there are thousands of hours of his art that will never be seen again. No one will ever put that up again. No one will ever download it because of the way he treated women in the work environment and how his legacy was kind of destroyed with his behavior. Great Charlie Rose story. I'm so glad we're doing this format where we don't have a commercial coming up. And I can tell my Charlie Rose story. I'm in the Lakers locker room in 2000. Charlie Rose is in there. 
He's preparing to do a 60 Minutes with Phil Jackson. And I see Charlie. And I'm excited because I've always been a fan, even back when he was on the middle of the night on CBS. And I said, you had a two-hour interview one night with Mike Tyson that was riveting. And Charlie said, let me tell you about that story. He wasn't that calm before the interview. When I got to the house, Mike Tyson threw a chair through the window and chewed me out because a journalist of my stature shouldn't be late. He was chewing me out for being late and threw a chair through the window. And then we had to calm him down, and then we did a really nice two-hour interview. Incredible. He said, but he scared me to death. And the whole time, and Charlie, who I guess like to tip a few, it's always been, the, always been the rumor about Charlie, the whole time he was telling me also, this is very superficial, but i got to paint the picture. He had two things. First of all, bloodshot eyes, the color that you've never seen in your life. <laughs> and, uh, oh, right, and hair coming out of his nose that was as long as Shara would have on her back. <laughs> I was also easy on Cher. We <laughs> love Cher, and I was I was distracted by those two things. But nevertheless, couldn't have been kinder. Handed me his card, and it was a really nice moment in the Laker locker room with Incredible. Charlie Ross. We want to go live right now and show you a picture of the World Trade Center. Matt Lauer, another guy that I keep an eye on now because of all the great broadcast, the Today shows, anchoring the news, interviewing presidents. We find out about his conduct, allegedly, and what he's trying to do now to clear his name, and he's gone. And he's having a tough time with the struggle because he was used to being such a celebrity. I saw him at golf tournaments up in Tahoe, big events, and he was always a gentleman. I don't know what he was doing in his personal life. But now that Matt Lauer's been scrubbed, from NBC News and the Today Show, I always go back to the elegance and grace of him reporting on 9-11. And MSNBC rebroadcasts the NBC 9-11 every September 11th. Right. And I make sure I watch it because it's great for young broadcasters, any broadcast to see what happens when there's chaos going on. Right, when you actually were going to have somebody come out and cook an apple pie. Yeah. Or you're going to interview the Secretary of State and that's done because a plane hits a building. His iconic interview with Tom... Cruise on Scientology, when Tom Cruise almost came out of the chair. I mean, Matt Lauer was able to do it all. We find out about his office and the lock and the door and this and that and the way that he used his power to allegedly intimidate women, part of the Me Too movement. Or to gratify himself. What do we do with him? Or instead of where's the lost art, how are we going to get him to feel comfortable enough, not that I want him to, to be on television again. I want to move on to the penalty box that we talk about in sports. Right. How long do we leave Bill O'Reilly and Matt Lauer in the penalty box before they come back and they're better than everybody else who's doing their job now and they can go back? Do they deserve that chance? Well, everybody deserves second, third, fourth chances in life. I'm a big rehab guy, even mm-hmm. when it comes to people who did much worse things. That's me. That's how... Uh, that's how I roll. And I think you're asking a great question there because also these are new standards that we've had. They never should have violated the, uh, you know, people would argue, no, those aren't, these aren't new standards. But in a lot of ways, this movement is opening everybody's eyes to men's bad behavior over the years. And how harshly should we judge older guys on the new rules, like tanking Andrew Jackson off the $20 yeah. bill? Uh, a lot of the guys in Thomas Jefferson had children with slaves, etc. A lot of wonderful men who are living by the rules of their era have done dastardly things. And in modern times, when these guys are still alive, 
how much time should we put them in the penalty box because they violated the new rules? I don't have the answer for you, but it's a great question. I'm always fascinated by people who can't learn from mistakes. In sports, we talk about, look, if you're going to roll the dice on performance-enhancing drugs and get caught, when you're going to get caught, it's going to destroy your legacy, unless you're Milky Cabrera. Because right. <laughs> he had to take them, because that's how he made money. But it destroys A-Rod, who's building it up right. as a broadcaster, Bonds, etc., but when it comes to this legacy play with these mostly men and the way they've been treating other individuals, it really wiped out a lot of art, a lot of talent that we're not going to see again. If I put on Fox News at 8 Pacific time, and it's the rerun where O'Reilly used to be, it's almost now unwatchable because the talent's okay, but it's nowhere near the level right. of how intense and great O'Reilly was. The same thing. No disrespect to the Today Show today, but Matt Lauer at the Olympics and his coverage was second to none. When you look at the people who didn't get caught, we're just looking at, we're talking about the guys who got caught. Oh, you're right. Right? How many other guys were Harvey Weinstein? How many other guys were Charlie Rose? And you're saying, are they still on the air? Are they going to get caught soon? Can you imagine, and you live outside of Hollywood, how many people in Hollywood wake up every day, actors, comedians, uh, broadcasters saying, when is my day? When is that video going to come out? Where is that text message? Whether I left that voicemail. Because Me Too is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And it's not just guys. Since this is a podcast and we're broadcasting to everybody, it's not just guys in Hollywood. Those are people who are famous who get caught and we know their stories. But there are guys waking up every day in America, professors, the manager of Dairy Queen, the manager of Cheesecake Factory, who have taken advantage of their power over the years and wake up every day saying, is that, you know, is that 17-year-old girl? Is that 17-year-old boy who's now 37? going to come back at me when I was a jerk 20 years ago. Because sometimes a lot of people evolve and they're not the same Oh, we jerk. have to see Brent Kavanaugh, not to get political, which we will, and podcast right. down the road most right. likely, but the way he had a fight to clear his name for confirmation yes. to be a Supreme Court because justice. And I thought what was fascinating about that, again, no matter what side you were on, is how hard he had a fight to clear his name because he knew... In the accusation, Me Too movement, wherever we're at, whatever we want to call it, that if he didn't fight back, he was going to get flushed out. He had to bring some type of aggression there at some level because he felt, rightfully or wrongfully, that in this environment that we live at today, if he didn't have the right answers in front of those men and women of, of the Senate, there was no chance that he was going to well, move forward. Th this isn't political. It just happens to involve politics. But every guy who's a decent human being who did, I, I wasn't involved in anything like that, but I did stupid things and drank too much and took drugs in my teens and 20s and did absolutely stupid things. Uh, but I'm, I'm a much better person right yeah. now than I ever was then. How much later are you allowed to bring something up? That was a question in everybody's house when they saw that. And how much uh, later are we allowed to bring something up on somebody if they did something awful when they were 16 but has led a pristine life ever since their brain fully developed? Uh, are we allowed to bring it up? Should we bring it up? Should it count in future endeavors? 
Those are great questions. I rule. One other individual I wanted to bring up is Kevin Spacey. And it's interesting to me because Kevin Spacey is one of the great actors of the last 30 years. I agree. And I'm talking classically trained from Hamlet in London to the movies as an Academy Award winner. And then we find out the way he treated young men on movie sets. And this was also before House of Cards. And I started watching House of Cards on Netflix, and it was incredible. It was the role of a lifetime for him. And they just scrubbed him away. And my son is watching House of Cards now. Yeah, we He's watching the that. first couple of seasons of it, and it's riveting. And I haven't brought it up with him yet. Well, you won't see him in episode six and why this is happening. What do we do with the Kevin Spacey art, American Beauty? Ugh. I own that DVD. Do I throw it out? Do I sell it? Do I put it up at a garage sale? Because that was as brilliant of a performance as any actor in any movie. But now this guy is in hiding and no one can find where he is. Well, there's a lot on that plate that you just handed me. But number one, with American Beauty, the amazing thing about that film, as an aside here, is the look inside of the male mind. Men were fascinated by that film. Women hated it in a lot of ways because they were wondering if that's the way the male mind works, where even if we are monogamous, we do conspire sometimes in our minds. And that movie was brilliant on that front. Uh, The answer to your question, though, is so hard because you you can't throw out, like I said, this this isn't ancient Egypt. But an apology isn't accepted anymore. Rightfully so. We talk about this in sports all the time. I mean, Kevin Spacey... We're supposed to ruin someone's life forever. He should have to fall on the sword and sit there and genuinely apologize to everyone who he's offended throughout his life. This is a guy who starred in Glengarry Glenn Ross. You look at the movies. I have the movies here in front of me. L.A. Confidential. These movies were so brilliant. He was in Seven, American Beauty, The Usual usual suspects. Suspects. Incredible. I love the Billionaire's Boys Club. All the movies that he was in, where is the art going? And I think I'll answer my question. I think it goes away. I don't think you see it in replays on HBO, Showtime, and Cinemax. I don't think you see it on Netflix being picked up down the road. I think a lot of this stuff disappears, especially in the era we're living in now. It's not right. I I loved Baby Driver. There's other people in that movie. There's other people in The Usual Suspects. There's other people in American Beauty. But people won't download it or buy it because of Kevin Sayers. They think there's something wrong with that. It was just so terrific and got ripped off. Should have won an Academy Award for American Beauty. But you can't throw away the hundreds of people, sometimes thousands, if you've got stuntmen, work on those films and deserve residuals for those great pieces of art. Point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. I often say I screw up five times a day before breakfast. But when I graduated college at 21 and got into the brokerage world to be a stockbroker, I worked in the literal boiler room. They made a movie about it, The Boiler Room, and it's pretty accurate about the people I worked with and the lifestyle and what was going on back day there. It was pretty intense, and I worked with a group of men, okay? We were buttoned up. We had the most expensive suits. We had Porsches, BMWs. We were running around making 300 cold calls a day, and thank God in the work environment, there were no women, Oh God. okay, because there were some stories In the movie, you might have seen Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio. I saw that world from the inside. And again, it was all men. And then when the men would go out at night to the bars and then things would happen, it would get crazy. But in the work environment, I learned at a 
very young age, because I have such a great mom and dad, the right way to treat women. Right. I have two sisters, and it was embedded in me. You treat women with respect from my grandmothers and all that. But I watched some unique stuff growing up at a young age, being a fraternity president in college. And I was very fortunate that I knew right from wrong. Then got into sports talk radio. And this is where you and I connect. And we worked in an environment with mostly young guys. Guys, yeah. guys who wore their hat on backwards and khaki shorts and would go in there and wear a jersey. And there weren't many women around. The secretary, someone in the back office, not many on the air. And we worked with some great women yeah. that we'll talk about down the road. But then I started to see some rude behavior at different places. And I was just never going to go down that road. And I was always fearful for the people who are making those mistakes because they couldn't, in the work environment, calm down. 20 years ago, we didn't have the Me Too. If we did, all those shenanigans would have stopped. But they did teach us 20 years ago in 40 and 60 and 80, 101,000 to separate your personal and professional lives. Absolutely. And, and guys, you know, especially when we're younger, have a hard time separating that. And I guess I was lucky to, I went, a small town, went to Catholic schools within a small town. And so if you dated somebody, we had a rule in high school that about kissing and telling only because the school was too small. You know, and my girlfriend, Carrie, was my friend, Bobby's, my best friend's stepsister. So you can't touch a boob and then talk about it because you're 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 talking about your best friend's stepsister the world was too small yeah. the school was too small so we kind of had that rule i guess we had nice friends within ourselves that okay our class is too small the school is too small we probably shouldn't behave in the way that most people do and i just took that on with me in life so no scandals for me either knock on women it doesn't mean i acted perfectly well we saw life. some scandals inside nfl network and in sports oh God, we've yeah. seen individuals a lot of athletes, and yep. again, it's happened with guys who weren't professional athletes. We're talking oh about God, guys yeah. who ran sports radio networks or ran sports networks, excuse but me. But this is our world. Yeah. The world that we live in here, and you sit there and go, how do you make a mistake like that? How do you do something at work or on the road that could bring your family and your career and job in jeopardy? And we know other people outside this podcast who aren't going to come back into this world that we live in because the mistake they made was so big and people are talking about it. And the next group that wants to hire that talented person just says, I'll pass. And the movement has changed that in this way. I think those guys, and I've always gone back and forth with you over the word mistake because that's spilling milk at the dinner table, not pulling something out at work. But I'm guessing at the NFL Network where things were pulled out at work, I'm guessing that behavior had happened before, oh, and yeah. the person got away with it for the first 35 years of his life. And so that's why he felt comfortable doing it, you know, with the oh, makeup lady at the NFL. But we talk about locker room vulgarity. Think about the women, the young women broadcasters, 20, 30 uh, years ago, 40 years ago, uh, that had to go into a locker room environment or travel on the road before this movement that we're talking about. And when you look back at the pioneers of those who were out there at that time and had to deal with that, it's incredible to me. And I just hope that we learn. And I want to get back to that. Learn from these mistakes. Um, it's incredible to me that we're right in the middle of this Me Too movement when it comes to sports and it comes to right. movies and it comes to big broadcast. That's going to happen again. Like, you have the blueprint now of what not to do, how to be buttoned up at work, 
not to be texting your coworker, right. not to be trying to follow her home from work, not to do certain things. Just leave everybody alone. Go back to your own life after work and don't harass other people or don't use your power to intimidate others. Well, the reason why that we're going to know more and more and more of these stories are phones. And in the, oh. I always told you, in the future, and it's going to be the really near future, because there are now 25 or 30-year-olds running for Congress or mayor. And 15 years ago, it was 2003. They had a phone. <laughs> and they were horny. And they were 15. We are going to know, especially with guys. I, I know that because that's, that's, you know, because that's my biology. We are going to know what mayors and congressmen and heavyweight champions look like naked starting today. But wrapping this up about what to do with the art, I find this fascinating to me because several high-profile figures, for whatever reason, I used to watch often on television or in the movies, are currently in the penalty box or their art is wiped out where we won't see it again. And we're going to have to navigate through this, and down the road we'll do another podcast. It'll be interesting to see how those Louis C.K., who just wants to go out and go to the basement of a comedy store right. and, and tell start jokes. doing stand-up yep. again, how his fans will say, yeah, he was in the penalty box for two years. That means two years of not being on The Tonight Show, not having a Netflix special, losing $45 million on another Netflix special, paying the price for his unruly behavior, but he's going to have to go back. Someone's going to give Matt Lauer a chance to anchor the news. Brian Williams went through the exaggeration stage yes. in his life. What was he exaggerating about? Walking oh, through the, Africa with Bono? Oh, no, that, that, was, that was another accurate. one. But uh, this was when, you know, and, and by the way, he didn't need to exaggerate. He didn't need to. And here's the thing, too. There is a lesson about memory. There are plenty of times uh, that, you know, because I think he should be out of the penalty box for this reason. A lot of our memories can be faulty once we retell a story and we think it happened the way it did. And then we realize it didn't happen that way and it didn't mean we made it up. It just means that we forgot some of the details. I think that certainly could have happened with him. The number one the number one thing about his story was he was in Iraq and he was in Afghanistan. He went to the site of the stories and he either mixed up or exaggerated details, but he was there. He wasn't in a studio in New York. And that's a real journalist right there. It's incredible because in media today, some of the most talented individuals behind the microphone or behind the camera, they're so powerful because they're so good. They have this talent yeah. that most people don't have. But then we don't want to know about their personal life. Right. And then we peel it back and look at their personal life, and we're horrified. As we said, Charlie Rose, we just thought that when he was done, he brought his guests to a steak dinner. I always heard that. A, yeah. a limo picked him up. He went home. We didn't know how he behaved, nor was it our business. And then, as you talked about, about the phone with the Internet, uh, women standing up saying, I'm not going to be treated this way anymore. We have this movement that is so strong today these courageous individuals coming out saying, my career, my life was put on hold for 20, 30 years because of the horrible acts of this person. I want justice. The justice is that these powerful media types are losing their careers and their legacy. It is amazing when you talk about the information age, how much we didn't know about great movie stars. There was a great movie about that this year. Uh, great movie stars. 
Anchorman, did we know anything about Walter Cronkite's wife, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, or John Chancellor, or Dan Rather, or any of them? No, we didn't. It's amazing how it's changed that now celebrities, their wives and their babies, almost like royalty, become celebrities themselves. It didn't used to be that way. I have uh, had sex with women who work for me on this show. David Letterman got a pass. Oh, he did, didn't, didn't he? He, he did the way he conducted he, him. He, he came clean. He, That's what we've been talking about. Matt Lauer didn't do that. Bill O'Reilly fought and tried to pay off a $39 million lawsuit. But David Letterman, in a monologue, stepped up owned and it right said away. he owned it right away. But then again, by owning it right away, you would admit he got some form of a pass. If David Letterman had those comments in 2017, 18, or 19, there's a really good chance he's gone, not on his terms. And I wouldn't say he would come back again on Netflix or doing more comedy down the road, but he was so powerful. He was an individual, took it right to the edge, but he owned it, as you said. I do think, though, with David Letterman, if my memory serves me correctly, it was an affair with a staffer that was into it. Which is a completely different thing. But he owned it. Yeah, from having an affair or, or uh, pushing yourself on a staffer who's not into it, which is the, the thing that took down those other guys. Well, it's interesting. Don't mess with Letterman. I, I know. I'm surprised <laughs> we even got that. it here in the podcast. And again, as we are not preaching to other people, what would you say going forward for young broadcasters, podcasters, people getting in our business, you know, broadcasting, what would be the best bit of advice you would give to that man or woman, young person coming into the business on how to behave in the workplace. Well, it's it, that advice has never changed. Keep your personal and professional lives as separate as possible. Now, sometimes that's difficult in this you know, this medium. You know, Howard Stern has changed that. It's, you know, yourself is your act and your act is yourself. And so you bring it all in. So it's difficult sometimes if you're doing a morning zoo type radio show, but most people don't have that type of job. But within broadcasting, you have to make your act yourself and yourself your act, but clean up your act at work. There's more to come with me too, right? Oh yeah, with this yeah. hashtag me too movement. There's more to come. There's, we just mentioned a few names, a few individuals who've been caught and the art could be disappearing or are we going to find a way for that art to come back again. But as we wrap up this edition, there's going to be someone just as big next week, next month, next year that we'll be talking about. Yes, because we all leave a digital trail at all times. We're all talking about everything and texting about every iota of our lives constantly, even when it's dastardly stuff and, and nude selfies. We're almost all doing it, and we're leaving trails. So, yes, there's future scandals. That is something to think about in this podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.